Hey you. Whoa, didn't expect to see you here. Thanks so much for being curious enough to check us out. You're about to gift your ears the soothing, sensational and seductive sounds of the Story Network podcast. But before I jump into the emotive and inspirational introduction, I actually just want to take a moment and thank you for tuning in and then welcome you to the Story Network community. So thank you and welcome. Now, let's roll that intro. Hit it. This is the emotive and inspirational introduction to the Story Network podcast. My name is Zed Hopkins and it is my job to inspire connection, collaboration and creation through open and honest conversation. So let's put our lives aside for a moment, connect heart to heart, mind to mind, share with each other, learn from each other and inspire each other to be more, to feel more and experience more. 7.54 billion stories on one earth. We are the Story Network, and this is the Story Network Podcast. Woo! The Story Network. Let's do it! You know what's powerful? Reflecting on hardships and tough times and how people have overcome them. In today's melting pot of memory and linguistic martial arts, I take a little trip down to Miami, Florida to sit back and banter with my dear friend, Diego Vergara. Diego is a business beast. From flipping mobile homes, maneuvering through a controlling commune, and launching a startup, this man has done it all. So sit back, relax, and let your ears be excited and exhilarated by the wondrous words of Diego Vergara. Awesome, Diego. Thank you so much for jumping on the podcast with me. It is so good to see your face and catch up. It has been a little while since we've been able to see each other. Yes. To, to provide a little bit of context, we met at Pomona College together. We, I think mm-hmm. we, one of the first times we met sort of early on and then we really yeah, got to know did. each other talking about ideas at dining halls and talking about businesses and, and yeah. stuff like that was, was kind of where it all began. But I was wondering maybe if you could just do a really quick overview of who you are and like where you've come from to get to the point you are now. My name is Diego. I, I, I went to Pomona College with you. I feel like an interview. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, like I remember you and me, we, uh, we, we bonded over like, I think we both talked about Tim Ferriss. And uh, I felt like, uh, at least like this is what my girlfriend told me at the time, that like our friendship was really cool because like we were both like parts of different worlds, it seems like. But at the same time, like uh, we have a lot in common, right? And, uh, and then like a little bit about my background is like uh, I was born in Colombia. Then uh, we moved, I moved to Miami with my family when I was eight, like uh, really like tough financial times. Um, like I didn't know what an SAT was like until 11th grade, but because of my story, I was able to go to Pomona and then in Pomona I had like a bunch of opportunities, which I took advantage of. But, uh, but yeah, it's pretty crazy. Like being back home and then like coming from Pomona is like two different worlds. Like I'm definitely super thankful. Like there's been a lot of like opportunities along the way that I've been able to uh, take advantage of. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And 
And I think like that's one of the things I really admire about you also is that you you do have like such, I think you have such a rich story as well. And you are someone who takes opportunity when it is presented to you and you work, you work your ass off to sort of make the most of those opportunities. Um, and I think that's something we can sort of touch on in a little bit. But I think like right now, what I'd love to touch on is before we started recording, you were mentioning where you're at right now, like where your okay. home is and the significance of that. Would you be able to go into a little bit of detail of, yeah, yeah. of what that is? Yeah, so right, right before like we clicked record on the podcast, uh, I was showing Zed my surroundings. So basically I'm uh, where my family lives in Miami, Florida. It's, uh, it's a mobile home. So basically the way it works is um, like you don't own the lot. So we pay like a very low uh, monthly rent. Uh, but we do own like the mobile home, which supposedly you could pick it up and then you could move it. But like realistically, you really can't because it's too old. It'll be too costly. Uh, but but the reason why it's significant is because like mobile homes have a special place in my heart because uh, I remember we've lived in Miami all my life. And uh, and abruptly we moved to Georgia, which is also an interesting story. But when we came back, uh, we didn't have a lot of money. So we wanted to go back to like a nice part of Kendall, like Miami, but we couldn't really afford it. So we went to like this and coming from Georgia for like, I lived there for a year. Like you had this misconception of like what mobile home parks were, you know, like what people used to say is like white trash. And I know it's not a good thing, but like, that's like the preconception that we had. But uh, since we didn't have any money, we had to like give this place a shot. And uh, I started realizing like, Hey, this is actually like, very a very affordable place that a family like mine could use to call a home like everyone wants their house but like this is a place we could call home so we bought one for like six thousand dollars on youtube like i go i like learned how to put floors and paint walls and like i slowly started doing that myself with a little bit of help from my mom and my sister and uh and after a while we were going to try to sell it and my mom and i was like in 10th grade at this time, high school. And um, my mom was like, all right, like put $12,000 on the window. And I'm like, no mom, we could get so much more. And she's like, you're crazy. But like in my mind, I was like, you know, this isn't for like someone that doesn't have absolutely no money. This is a place for like a family like ours that they can't afford a house, but they want a place to call home. And, um, and then, and then basically like I, I took my bike around the park and uh, and uh, I kind of knew that I was like, all right, I'm going to put $22,000 on the thing and um, on the for sale sign. And like people called, like I've always, like ever since a little kid, I've been selling stuff partly because I had to. So like I would show people the house, like give them like, look, your kid can play here. This could be your studio, et cetera. And, uh, and within, within like two weeks, we have sold it for like 22000 and uh, I, I learned a lot. Like, first of all, the people that drove in new cars, like always asking for financing, right? They, like uh, the guy that bought it, like a pickup truck, they didn't, they didn't look like much. And he was like, okay, I got to call my stockbroker to sell some stuff and I'll buy, I'll buy the house. And, and just like that. And, um, and it was the break because from there, uh, then we moved to a better mobile home park still here in Miami. Uh, at the time, it was called Gold Coaster, and at the time, it was uh, it was a place for snowbirds. So basically, what that is is people 
from Michigan, et cetera, that they're like low middle class. They want a place in Florida, but they can't afford a house. But they're still like high middle class. So it was like a really nice park. Um, uh, and, uh, but again, like I had that vision. I'm like, okay, this is a place for people like my family. Um, and uh, I, I had like $22,000 cash. So what I started doing is uh, I would drive around the park and I would call people that had for sale signs and they were like snowbirds. So they were like older people that were like, that they were like spouses were dying off. Like they were going into like nursing homes and, uh, and like, honestly, like I was trying to hustle. Like I was like, all right, it's just my mom, my sister and me. Like I come from my Hispanic culture. So in my house, I've always been like the man of the house, whatever that means. But to me, it means I have to take care of my mom and my sister, et cetera. And, um, and yeah, I would call these people and I would tell them like, they're like, oh, 40,000. And I'm like, that's great. I have $22,000. And like, they would be pissed. They would like, like, like tell me bad words, et cetera. And I'm like, look, I, I understand, but I, unlike other people, I have a cash. So like, if you change your mind, just give me a call and like, you'll have that money, like two to three days max. And uh, I did that a couple of times. And um and uh, this guy, like, uh, he was like, because he, he, you own the mobile home, but you have to pay for the land. And he wasn't even living here. So to him, it was like $500 a month wasted. And no one has cash. And, uh, and yeah, I bought, I bought that for like 22. Like uh, my family, like we live in it for like about a year. Like uh, while I fix it and like, you know, uh, and again, like, Put, put some wooden floors from Home Depot. It's like basically stickers. They look like wood floors, but like you just stick it on top of each other. And uh, and again, like I started selling that. Uh, same story, like people with like a new Honda or whatever, asking for financing. This lady that didn't know how to read, uh, she, had to, she didn't know how to write. She had the money cash. So like, it was just like a lot of little lessons along the way. And um and then with with my family, we did that like two like uh like two or th- three more times so like uh so like bef- and this was all while high school was going on. I didn't know what was an s a t I was still doing well, but it was like this story that like helped me go into Pomona and like in all my interviews, like I always come back to like this story. I mean, it's like, it's like your origin story, right? You know, it's yeah, like, yeah. it's like this spot of, of reflection where you come back to and go like, this is where I started. And, you know, as someone who knows you personally, I know your dreams are, you know, hundred times fold of where you're, where you're at even right now. Mm-hmm. But like knowing that like you're grounded in, in that story that sort of defines you as a young kid, I'm wondering I'm wondering then, like, what do you think maybe are, like, the one or two, like, core lessons or, like, realizations you had through that period that you now take with you in life and in business? Like, uh, I would say, so, like, like, I'm a firm believer that at one point, like, everything clicks together. I kind of had that insight that, uh, like, people always want a house, right? But then I kind of had that insight that like it's not a house that people want; it's like a place to call home, like that, that like slight distinction. Because 
like when I was like eight or 10, like my family was like straight up like homeless. Like we were like something happened and like we were straight up like doing a line for like a women's shelter and like night to night. Then we lived in like an interim like uh, shelter like for like a two year period. So like I always knew it wasn't about the house. It was like about a place to call home. And uh, and then like, and then there's this like, Miscon- and then there's also this misconception around that time in trailer parks that it was like for this like very very poor uneducated type of people, and uh, and and that was just not true. Like, and the price and like to to get like businessy, the price were reflecting that. When in reality, like this was a place for families like mine and other families that could that like the people we sold the mobile homes to, they would like have like all right jobs making like maybe 40 30,000 a year and this was like a great alternative for them and uh, over time we we're able to buy them like super cheap and uh, but like right now the prices are like where, where they should be uh, so so uh, without and also like um, it was like along the way you know I was like I don't, I don't know how old you were when you're in 10th grade but like 15 or 16 like uh like it's just my mom that she also didn't know what she was doing it was like me kind of leading the way and uh i just kind of figured out along along the way like through youtube how to put floors or like how to paint walls um like how to press a mobile home just like take the bike around the park and figure out the price so so i guess like two lessons would be first like uh that like you, you saw an opportunity that mismatched now i call it like a non-consensus view and the second piece uh would be like a kind of, that's why i'm not afraid to go into like something new because like i know that it seems hard but after a while of trying it like you'll, you'll get there so i would say like that's and and and, uh, and since that's the only thing that i had going for me I got really good at telling that story. So yeah. So I think that's the third thing is is able to communicate that and tell that story and use your stories and experiences, you know, as yeah. as 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 a, a part of you as like an identifying thing. Mm-hmm. I, there's two things I kind of I kind of want to like delve a little bit deeper on here or, or sort of elaborate on because I think that last one you bring up is such an important one. Is that is that I personally believe what is more important on a resume or like, or like on like how we put ourselves out to the world is not the like random internships or the little boxes that we tick with our GPA and stuff, but it's the actual tangible experiences that we've had and that we have, have created for ourselves. Like our story and the way that we have mapped the challenges in our lives are actually the bigger growing points for us as as individuals, as human beings, but also as people who are then looking to enter the workforce and collaborate with other people or create our own opportunities. Like it is through experience and, and then the ability to articulate those experiences and connect them with other people's experiences that actually like, like allows opportunity to come to us or like is allows us to put it out there because when you share a story like that it's fucking inspiring 
you know? It's like, it's like, damn, like, like this kid sort of like came from nothing. It was able to build his way up, go to a top liberal arts college, you know, get, you know, start a business, which is what you're doing now and like pursue that stuff. And like, but also still keep this idea of family and, and, and home like centered there. Um, and so the, the next thing that, I, that I'd like to touch on is like, what does home mean to you? You know, obviously that it is more, you know, that it is a big, a big thing that has kind of defined your childhood, but how would you define home for yourself? Yeah. Like it's interesting. I've, I've had that question before and, uh, and, uh, like, uh, I, I feel like it's interesting cause, um, I, like, I don't really see like a specific place as my home because, like for example, like I was in Colombia and then like I moved to Florida, right? And I lived in this park called Lehigh Acres, and uh, and then from there we moved somewhere like really quickly, and then and then uh, that was like elementary. I moved a bunch, and then middle school, like the longest, the long then in middle school I lived at a really nice like a, a, not not a nice apartment, but for me that was like the time I was most stable. Uh, and then, like, by eighth grade, like, my family moved to Georgia. It's, like, completely different. I was there for a year, like, different experience. Then in Alabama for three months. And then moved back to Miami, a different part called Homestead. A year, like, while I was at that mobile home. Then moved to, like, a couple miles down to uh, this part called Gold Coaster. And, like, I lived in one mobile home part, one mobile home. And then same park, moved to another mobile home. And then, like, I'm, I went to California, and then I was there for, like, four years, the longest time I was, like, in one place. And during my time in Pomona, I, I was able to live in San Francisco, New York. And, uh, and like, everywhere I went, I, and everywhere I went, I kind of felt like I was at home because I was there. And uh, at the same time, when I was in Pomona, I was, my first two years, I was, like, so broke that I couldn't, I didn't go back home for, like, two years. Like, I was in Pomona, like, all holidays, like, over there. Uh, and, like, and like I kind of just, like, learned that, like, home is wherever. It sounds weird, but, like, I, like home is just, like, wherever I am, you know? Like, I'm very loyal to, to like, the best opportunity. And, and I'll go wherever that is, right? Like, now that I'm getting older, I do think, like, for example, like, uh, my, my girlfriend has like a job in New York and so do I. And I have the option to like recruit in San Francisco or Seattle, but like I'm like subconsciously like choosing like to ignore like all those jobs in like San Francisco or Seattle. Cause I want to be in New York with her. And, uh, and at the same time, like I'm thinking like if, if I knew that I was going to be in one place for a long time, I would try to get my family to like move up there too but because like most likely i'll move around i won't do that but uh but yeah i guess like just home is like wherever i am like uh it's 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 weird but i don't have that attachment to one place yeah i mean that that is like such an interesting way to look at it too because like across everything we do in life like we are the consistent you know like it is like 
our ability also to be with ourselves and like be okay with ourselves and find home within ourselves, you know, as like, as also as someone who has like done a lot of traveling in the past four years and has had to kind of like build temporary homes and then leave people and places that became significant to me. And, and, you know, a lot of the people that I love most in this world, I, I I'm, I'm always fluctuating between them, you know, like so many of my friends are still in the U S right now. I don't have a visa to get there. The borders are closed, closed. I can't, you know, leave Australia and come and, 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 and see them. And, and, and like, that's also like something to, to maneuver then is like, you kind of have to, at some point when you are moving so much and you are chasing opportunity is like to find that home in yourself and no matter what, know that like you carry that home with you and you carry those like also memories and experiences with you of these people and places that have been a part of your home at one point or another. True, true. Um, I know, I know you brought up, uh, you've brought up Georgia a lot and that you spent some time there and that that was a big shift. Um, would you mind talking a little bit about what, like yeah. what that experience was? Yeah, yeah. So that's super interesting. Um, yeah, so basically, um, like out of the blue, uh, my mom decided to like move us to to uh, to this place. And like to make a long story short, uh, like uh, it was like a like a religion. <laughs> so. So like uh, it's like a normal religion, like it's like Seventh Day Adventist. Is like right now I consider myself Christian, but it's very similar to Christians, except that they go to church on Saturdays instead of Sundays, and it's like a very normal religion. But uh, but then of course there's like a very extreme version of that religion, and uh, and and then like this place in Georgia was like kind of like a compound. Like that sounds weird saying it, but it was like a little city of just them. Like, uh, like just to give you an idea, they have like their own school, their own hospital, uh, their own groceries, uh, and like when you work there, like you, your your place is kind of free to live, but they only pay you like two hundred bucks, and like the two hundred bucks are like in monopoly money, and then that's the money you use at the grocery store, and. Uh, and if you look at the place online, it looks very normal and they market it as like holistic medicine. Um, cause it's, cause yeah, cause like being vegan is like part of the religion, like eating eggs, drinking milk is a sin. Like women wearing pants is a sin. Like you have to wear a skirt. Like I had like a little Nike shirt. They made me get rid of it. Cause like brands were against like God or whatever. Like in, uh, in school when we played soccer we couldn't keep score because like again like some sort of sin and uh and like that was an interesting experience because even though it's probably like a good place but because like it was just my mom my sister and me and like no one's like defending her and like we don't have a lot of money like we also like like we lived in a like crappy rv like the toilet barely worked and uh and like and like the, the sketchiest part was like when you would complain then it would be like oh like god's person wouldn't complain like they would like just like shut up and like do this right so so that was like the weirdest part but but like uh i'm the type of guy that i'm always like again like like for me like net it was a good experience because 
first of all, it's like a good story to tell. Like, thankfully, like we left and like just not not like thankfully we didn't stay there. But uh, but for example, um, since like being vegan and all of that was like a huge part of the religion. There's a lot of funny stories. Like in eighth grade, it was like a mobile home split in two, and now it was like twelve students, and um, and I was the oldest one. And like instead of like learning math or something they would teach us like oh yeah eating eggs is a sin drinking milk is a sin blah 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 and uh and of course they would sell like vegan cookbooks and all of that and like i got linked with this woman that uh she like sold vegan cookbooks magazines all of that she would go to a truck stop now the story sounds so weird because like it makes no sense but like she gave me like this huge like sell script of like what to say and then the sales script has like if they say this you say this if they say this you say this and like I had it like to me it was like a game you know and uh and like it's so funny it makes no sense but like we would sell this vegan this vegan cookbooks and like this other books like about the end of the world and to like this truck drivers like we would go up to like the rest stop in Georgia like the gas stations are different it's like big ass gas station with like a bunch of 18 wheelers and like I would knock on the bus driver's door and like sell them like a vegan cookbook for like 20 bucks and like I would make 90 bucks a night and uh and like looking back it makes no sense but uh, but yeah that, that's like another good story that's wild. So you would you would leave like the the compound with with this uh, this woman, and you'd like go out to sell, and then would you keep that money, or would that go to her? No, I would keep that money. Um, That's like yeah. they they would call it a lifestyle center. Like it doesn't sound as creepy. But, yeah, <laughs> but but yeah, I would I would keep that money. Um, like uh, yeah, it's yeah. Like when I moved out, I, I would like keep the money and for some reason as a kid I would always like to hide my money and then I would like straight up forget where I put it and moving out like my mom kept finding like bags of like $200 like $300 all of that good stuff (laughs) yeah so so you were hustling non-stop really it's (laughs) yeah and and, yeah like uh, at first it was because like I had no choice but then after a while like um I don't know like it's just like kind of match like like I wasn't, I wasn't trying, I wasn't like, okay, I should be doing this. It's just like, I've been doing it like all my life, you know? Yeah. I, I'm wondering, I, I'd love to get like more of a feel of what this place was like, cause it is such like an, an interesting place that I feel like so many people have like never even come into contact with someone who has had these kind of experiences. I, like when you first moved to this place, do you remember like you as a kid, like not necessarily you reflecting back on it now, but you as a kid, like, how did that feel? Like, what what did you see and how did you as a kid sort of interpret and process that? Yeah, like, <clears throat> like at first, nothing is, like, too important. Like, at, at first, everything, like, seems really weird. Like, uh, like, you know, like, one day I'm, like, in Miami, like, I'm in seventh grade. Like, I think I have it all handled. Uh, like, like honestly, sixth and seventh grade, like, I had, like, my strongest group of friends. Like, I felt like I was, like, in my groove. And um, and then all of a sudden, I'm in this place. And, yeah, like, so, first of all, 
like the first, so like all of a sudden we're in this place, right? Uh, I had like a, a little bracelet, like a Nike shirt, whatever. Uh, first, they, they like can't wear the bracelet anymore. Like my mom's telling me that I have to throw away all my clothes. I have like a Nike sign. And like, I, I kind of like, I was like, no, I'm not going to throw this away. And then like my mom's only wearing like skirts now for some reason. Uh, little things like the food, like completely vegan. And like, that's fine because there's like a lot of alternatives. Like you can't have chocolate, you can't have carob, you can't have milk. There's like rice, coconut milk, etc. cetera. Uh, then little things like when you're eating, it's like almost a sin to like drink water while you eat. Cause like according to them, it's not good for digestion, right? So you have to wait like 30 minutes after you eat to like, and then you could drink water. And then after you eat, you have to go for a walk. And it sounds like healthy and stuff, but it's like part of the religion. It's like, if you don't do it, it's a sin. And, and like, and I guess the weird, the, like, the like, like most difficult part is um, the place where we lived, there was like straight up like an RV. Uh, like a, a little RV, and I know you're living in the camp right now, so, but back then it wasn't, like, trendy, uh, and it was, like, a crappy RV um, that, like, this random guy, like, bought for us, um, and, yeah, we were just living there, like, I guess my mom was, like, doing, like, working at the Lifestyle Center, either, like, doing, like, as a, she had, yeah, like, she, she had no training or, like, no licenses, but, like, she was doing either, like, massage therapist or, like, hydrotherapist which is like you play with water temperature um and uh and yeah so like the place we're living is already weird uh the, the, then then for example like you go to a church and uh and it's like every saturday and again like it gets a little weirder because like in miami like you kind of read the bible and stuff over there they focus more on like other type of like books and for example, like at one point, one preacher says like, oh, if you shower on a Saturday, it's like a sin because you you should not do anything on a Saturday. Like that already gets a little like extreme. Uh, and like, and then like, and then I, and then like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm a kid. I'm almost okay with all of this. Um, I have friends, whatever. Um, but then like, it, like I get, it's, it gets bad when I see like, they're kind of like mistreating like my mom, right? Just because like she doesn't have like either like a husband with her or like because she has no money or like, oh, or, or. so that's like when I start to get annoyed and and like a lot of little things like, like we had no toilet, like that's kind of a big deal. And, uh, and like they didn't want to help with that. Um, and yeah, like it's like pushing around just because like, we had almost like nothing um while other people like other people like the leaders of the place like they're driving up to church in their bmws or like their sons or like they have good houses or like their sons are going to college and stuff and like and then that gets annoying and uh and like at one point like we kind of want to go to a mall and uh, and and like we were like, fuck it, let's go to Olive Garden. And like that's like we we felt like we were like in Amsterdam, like about to go see a hooker. Like that's how that's how it felt like, even though it was just Olive Garden. And and we had to hide like it's like, okay, we're gonna have one cheat meal for my birthday. 
And then the funniest thing is like, we saw another like family from the place there. And it was like, kind of like we looked at each other and it was like this agreement that uh, no one was ever going to talk about this again. And, and like, I say that story because like after a while, kind of like, like the nice like story kind of like peels off. And like, it was just like, people were self-interested, like using the name of God to get their way or like to manipulate you. Like they're profiting from everything that's going on. Like uh, the families that weren't like, like believers, like my mom, they were there cause like, oh, like you don't pay rent and we don't believe in any of this stuff and we work outside. And, and thankfully like after a year, like we, my mom kind of like smartened up and, and we left. But, uh, but if I could go back and not do it, I would still do it because, um, you know, I probably like learned something from it. And, uh, and yeah, and when I got back to Miami, first of all, I was vegan. There's nothing wrong with that. But like, just because you're vegan doesn't mean you're healthy. So my diet, I was like super skinny. I didn't grow. My sister was like, she had like health problems. All my Miami friends were so much bigger than I was. And, uh, and it was like a big shock for me, you know, because like, I was like in this weird little school, like, and now I'm like in Miami, like completely different vibes. But uh, yeah, that's, that's like the story of uh, Georgia. Yeah, I mean, that is like such a, such an interesting experience to, to also, you know, like even now to just be able to look back, like the way that you are able to look back on it and like, like value that time as a stepping stone for you. I, I wonder, like, do you have, how do you approach these changes in your life and, and, and all of this moving? So you've done so many shifts at, at points of time. Like, do you have a, a way that you deal with that? Cause I know like for me personally, like, one of the hardest things about the past few years has been that I'm, I've been constantly moving and I've been constantly having to leave people behind or leave experiences behind or places that are significant to me. And I'm oftentimes caught up in memories of somewhere else when I am living somewhere. Is that something you experience or, or, or how do you approach these, the, the shifting of, of, of place and, and where you are existing in? Yeah, so I guess like um, as as long as like uh, not long ago I read this thing that I really liked and it was along the lines if no matter where you are if if you're doing what you need to be doing to get to where you want to go you kind of feel at peace you know like uh, I kind of know what I want and uh, even though I didn't know it back then like. Like, it just, it just felt like, like, okay, th- this kind of makes sense. You know, this is making me a more interesting person. Like, uh, I, I, I guess like, I, and you're a kid also. So, so to me, when you're a kid, it seems kind of normal. And, uh, and again, like me, like with selling stuff and stuff, that's always like my way of like, feeling like I'm back in control, right? Like I'm taking care of my own destiny. Like I remember when I was like in that time, like to me back then, a car was like my ticket out. I'm like, I have a car, I could drive anywhere, like I'm free. And then like, I just had this obsession with a car. Like one of my college essays was all about my car that I bought. And like, it was like, 
like because to me it was like all about like I could drive off like I could go anywhere so like with that mindset I remember I I remember like I had a little envelope for my car and that's where like I, I would put like all my money in and I guess like and then I felt like okay I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing you know what I mean and uh and then like everything it's okay and um Yes, I guess like that's how, and then when I'm in New York or San Francisco or in Pomona, uh, like the, the, I'm like, okay, I'm doing what I need to be doing. And the, pli- the times where I feel worst, even if I'm like physically back home, if, if I feel like I'm not in that path, uh, then that's when I start to get like anxious and like it just doesn't feel right. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's such an interesting thing is the idea of like having these goals, having this direction you want to go in and letting that kind of guide you. And like, you can, I feel like that, that maybe it's something that like cannot necessarily be articulated too, but like, I think we've had conversations about this before, like just privately, the two of us in person um, of this idea that, that when you have like a vision for your future or, or a vision of at least like the things that you want in your future, like that becomes a guiding force for the everyday. And if you are like slowly chipping away at working towards that, it helps you find clarity. It helps you feel like you're on the right path and be okay with where you are at, at that particular time. Um, yeah. And, and, and I feel like, you know, in a lot of times, you know, it's, that's easier said than done, you know, especially as like, for me, like coming back home, I found really hard because I had attached so much of my self-worth and my identity in the idea of being an Australian student at a U.S. college who was making theatre and had worked for four <laughs> years to put up a theatre shop. And then, you know, and then that all fell through and I'm, I come home and, like, it's awesome to come home. Like, I love, I love Australia and I love my family, but it was like, fuck, who am I here? Like, I, I put, you know, like, I put all myself in this thing and I come back and then it's like, and that was my vision. And then I come back and I'm like, well, everything that I thought I was going to do, everything that I thought was going to be the stepping stones for my future is now taken out underneath me. All the people I love and care about, you know, beyond my family, because at home it's primarily just family. I'm lucky to have some close friends here, but, but you know, all, a lot of my networks and my friends and the people that I'd spent the past four years with are still are now scattered in the US. Um, so I think there's like that processing that sort of happens in the midst of that. But then start giving yourself time to process that and then start to be like, okay, where's my vision for the future now? I've had to take a slightly different course, but if I start to map out in in a year, five years, 10 years time, if I know what I'm working towards, that gives me clarity for every day. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And uh, I guess like uh, to, to move to the present, uh, that that's like one of the big things that I've been dealing with like recently because like um, so uh, as you know like uh, I, I took some like one semester to work on a business right like the split card the fintech startup and um, and and at the same time like I have this great jo- job lined up like to intern this summer like if it leads to full time it's going to be like an awesome opportunity and uh I think it's been interesting because I think when when you think about like starting your business, right? Like honestly, when you think about it, like in your mind, you're always going to be successful. Like you don't really think that you're going to fail, right? Uh, and and I was like super con. Oh, I still am. I'm, I'm I was super confident about 
split card because uh, so like uh, this fintech startup, right? I, I, mean, I don't know if we have to get into it, but uh, but then like throughout this semester when I start to like dig deeper and trying to build a solution, I realized like, wow, this is actually like super difficult. Like not even because of the technology, but because of all the regulations that I have to deal with. Like, like an idea that sounds so simple and that I know is gonna solve a problem is actually like so difficult to do, right? And like, just for people to take my calls, realizing that I have to partner with banks, I have to handle data securely. And like, for a long time, I felt really stuck, like really stuck. Like I'm like, maybe this is why people haven't done this before, because it's like actually can't be done. Like since I've kind of gotten myself unstuck, but like, it's just that realization that I'm like, honestly, throughout my whole time at Pomona, I like, I've always done my internships like at banks and they're good, but like internally in my mind, I've never really thought that I'm going to like go on to work full time. Like in my mind, subconsciously, I've always like known, thought that like out of Pomona, like it's going to be like straight into my own business is doing well. <laughs> but like lately I've realized that, uh, well, Clearly, like even though I'm trying really hard and I'm really solving a big problem here, um, like realistically, this thing is not going to make enough money to like sustain me uh, like within one semester when I graduate. Uh, so like thankfully, I was good about hedging myself before I took all these bets with like having a like at least an internship lined up. And, uh, and it's just like that realization that like, I have like this great opportunity and uh, I did, and like, I've, I kind of like didn't meet my goals. Like I didn't meet the milestones I had set out for myself saying like, if I do this and that with my business, with the startup, I'm going to do that full time. Like they didn't even get close. So just that like mental, like, like explosion that like uh, like I, I might like I've kind of come to peace with like I kind of have to listen to life I like took all my risks like went really hard at this I still have like over a year to figure it out but hey I might have to start like at this oh it's a great job and like I might stay there for a while and like I'm thinking to myself may, maybe like that's what's meant to be and uh, and yeah because like my thought process is I mean, like it's not as it's not like what I wanted to go straight into my startup, but maybe by doing like this job for a couple of years, I'll find out a bigger problem that I could then solve that could be huge. Because uh, my first year of Pomona, I was like trying to like rent cameras or something, right? If I would have been successful after that very successful at that like it would have been really cool but like not as cool as if i figure out my fintech startup and that could be huge like so so that's kind of like 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 you said that like path and like that shattering of your perception that like i've been dealing with like growing up like your whole theme 
Yeah, I mean, I think you bring up like so many good points like in, in that reflection too, because I think that there is a very clear mindset shift that 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 occur that, that can occur. And that if you can consciously shift, and this is not, you know, this is an idea that has been passed around, you know, especially mm-hmm. in like the self-help world and the business world and stuff like that. But but this idea that like life happens for you, not to you. And and I think like obviously there are circumstances where that's a hard thing to accept, but if you can just like in your everyday where possible shift that and look at like these kind of things of like, ah, this project I started working on didn't work out, you know, and like, and, and it, it, you know, it, some may call it a failure, you know, maybe I fail at something, you know, to get a little more extreme, you know, which I know that both of us have failed miserably at some things in our lives, you know, but to look at that experience and be like, okay, that's a failure. This is a low, but there are lessons that I take from that, that I can then carry forward that allow me to do this fintech startup or allow me to get this job and and you know in a year's time i'm gonna have the experience to go to the management and be like hey i actually have a really good solution here that we can employ and then you get another opportunity which then leads you to something else but knowing that like i think i think what's happened especially in the u.s education system is something that i have seen is that we are so centered on success being a destination an end point, whereas success is actually all of the ebbs and flows and space in between, and that we actually have to be patient in order to reach that end point, because we have to go through the things of trying stuff out and it not working to know that maybe that isn't the right path, you know, and if something does start to work and start to get traction, we know that maybe that's more aligned with our vision moving forward, or that's the piece of clarity that we need. But that it's okay to not necessarily know that 100% right now. But if we start looking at these experiences as lessons, as ways to like learn through experience, through failure, to, to narrow down our outlook for the future and what we love to do and what we're passionate about and where we can serve, like through the process <laughs> of doing that, we, we not only accumulate life experience and life skills, but we also are able to sort of embrace challenges, embrace the difficult times and push through them for maybe the next big opportunity that is set to come later on. But we have to, you know, use that, that, that mindset to be like, Hey, it's okay for this not to work right now. And, and to be okay with those things. A lot of time I think, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, if you, if you don't see it this way, but I think like, a lot of time we're told that we need to have it figured out now, that it's not okay to not know. But re- in the reality is none of us have any fucking clue what we're doing. We're all trying to figure it out. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Like, like that's something that I've been thinking about a lot. Cause, because, yes, you could say, you know, I'm only 21. Like, like yeah, if this doesn't work out, it's fine. And it may lead to better things. But then does that mean like, oh, like, do I just completely quit at this thing? And, uh, and like, that was something that I was grappling with. And uh, uh, like re- regarding like businesses and stuff, like I realized that uh, it wasn't time to quit because uh, I, I didn't have that feeling because it just couldn't be done. But because 
a lack of momentum equals like a feeling of burnout. You know, like I was like working my, I was like doing, like working a lot doesn't mean you're successful, but I felt like I was prioritizing the right thing. But like, wow, like uh, how am I going to get this done? And I felt like burned out. But then after a while, I realized like it's the lack of momentum. So like, I guess what's interesting is that before I embarked in this, I like in investing, a great investor is not the person that makes like the best returns is the person that make the best returns and take the lead, the less risk Just because you like business doesn't mean you're like an awesome risk taker throughout my whole life. I've done things that seem risky, but like what people don't see is that like, yes, I'm working on the startup and like, I might've taken all this risk, but I actually like, I know once July 6th comes around, I'm going to be interning for Goldman Sachs. So like, my worst option is just like be with them for like a couple, like a long time, who knows? And like, that's going to be awesome. But like, so what I was thinking is like, does this mean that you completely quit? And, um, and this was at a time that I felt like completely stuck. Like part of the idea was like creating a new card and I had a prototype, I had people test it, but like it wasn't like legal at all. Like what I was doing, it wasn't compliant. It couldn't like scale. Um, and, and I was like, but like, I'm like, I know I'm solving a problem. Like that's for sure. Like I'm solving a problem. Um, and like, I kind of kept at it. I felt like quitting, like really, I was like really thinking about it. I was like, when do you know when it's time? But then I kind of came across that, like, okay, it's the lack of momentum that's getting to me. And I'm also 21. I don't want to be that guy that's only 21 and has, like, 10 failed startups. You know what I mean? So so I was like, man, sometimes you just have to do both. So I was like, I need, I need this full time because it's a great opportunity. I'm going to make good money. And after college, I need to make money, like... I can't just like be at a startup on my own. Like I just, I gotta be realistic, you know, I could, and it sounds sexy, but like, it sucks. Like you have no money. It sucks. Um, and like, you're not going anywhere just cause you think you're doing something cool. If like, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And it most likely won't work. Cause like, there's no guarantee that it will. Um, so yeah. So like what I started doing is like, okay, I can't like fuck around and not get this full time. So like, I started dividing my day. Like the first thing I do is like, I'm going to prepare. Like I'm going to like mentally, I want this really bad. I'm going to like do this online courses on like how to value companies, et cetera. And I'm going to like love it. Uh, but at the same time, I was like working on the business like every day until like slowly until I, like I very slowly got myself unstuck like by calling people and like learning more about the industry, I kind of like designed a new solution that still solves the problem. But because I like failed miserably throughout a semester, just hitting wall after wall, like I can't do it. I suddenly knew everything that you can't do. And because I had gone on calls with companies like Stripe, Plaid, like all these third party API companies, I kind of knew what you could do. And in fintech, that's important because like 
creating a new card sounds easy. That does this, this, and that. But because of regulation, you can't do it. But uh, but now that I know what you, the tools out there that they do this specific thing, I was able to like piece together a new solution that solves the problem and that could be built. So like lately, uh, when I when I go on calls with like this like asking companies about their APIs, which is basically like they give you the code and it does a function and you pay them for it. So you don't have to build it from scratch. They're like, yeah, we could do what you're telling us. Like it'll cost you this much. And uh, so like, I know right now that the solution that I have, it could completely be built. Like I, like uh, I'm getting ready to do like a launch, like a wait list. I already have uh, like a team that could build it too. Uh, now, right now, the biggest problem is like, it solves the problem, but like, can it make money? Like the solution, right? Because uh, it, it's another, like, uh, I have to charge a membership fee and the costs are very high per person. So, so you see, if I would have like quit and just said like, you know, I'm only 21, let me just do this job. Like it's going to lead to good things. I wouldn't have like found a second solution. So it's like it's like a super hard balance between between like yeah, like okay, I just gotta go with the flow for a little bit or like maybe sticking around. And I guess like the solution that I found for myself was like I I kinda like I was like, okay, I just gotta do both. And uh I still don't know if it's the right thing because I'm like, what if I just dedicated myself to one thing? Uh, but yeah, that's just kind of like the approach that I took. Yeah. And I think there's like, there's so much in that, of this idea of like, we're, we're young, you know, like we're just trying to figure this stuff out. And I think one of the other issues within the education system is it tells you that there is this one clear path, high school, you get into a good college, you get a graduate, you get a job, maybe you get a graduate degree and then you go on and you just work your way up through a hierarchy. Right. Or, or through, through a system, you know, it's like, it's like, it's, it's built on this idea of systems that move up and the more you put in, the more you get out. Right. But actually where we're at now in, in a world with there is so much opportunity and there is so much going on is that it's more like, like we're in a room full of doors. Right. And that like our responsibility now as like people who are in their early twenties, you know, 21, 22, you know, it's like, figuring out not so much of like which doors need to open because there a lot of these doors are open for us, but which ones we need to close either fully or just a portion yeah. so that we can focus on the two or three doors that we are passionate about and that excite us and that we feel are the most fulfilling because there are more doors in the long run on the other side. But the other thing is the only way to do that is to close some of those doors and maybe then you realize that the door you were following through ends up with a locked door. So you need to walk back and you need to find some other doors. It's kind of this infinite, infinite cycle of doors. But the, the idea is, is that focus on those two or three doors that you want to keep wide open and figure out how you can then focus your energy and attention there. Um, and, and gently close some of those other doors along the way as you realize that maybe that's not the right path for you. You know, and it doesn't mean you need to lock them. You can come back and open them later. But 
keeping that driving force forward. And like, I think that's something that's really interesting with you is that you were able to go, you know, had the rent the GoPro business that we had spoken about a little while ago, right? And in order for you to focus on this split card, this FinTech startup, you had to close the door on that one, right? But for a while, that was your big door out in front of you, right? That was the door you were like, yes, this is the one. But it got to a point where it was like, ah, actually, this just leads to a locked door. I need to take a step back. But you learned a skill set that then allowed you to open up a separate door, which was the FinTech startup. So I think it's this <laughs> idea of like, diversifying our opportunities, being open to them and not necessarily just being stuck on one door, but having two or three doors in front of us that are a, that are our focus that we can move towards and give attention to and allow, allow ourselves to be flexible between them. Does that, do you feel like you, that resonates with you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think it definitely does. Definitely does. Like my only fear is that like, you keep like to use your analogy, you keep like opening the door and then going back and opening another door and like, and then like not going like really deep down the hall. Yeah. Uh, and then like you pat your life passes you through and you've opened like a thousand doors for like, you're only like one deep, you know what I mean? That, that's, that's like my only fear, but I, I think you're right. Like I'm thankful. I kind of like wasn't successful in like two other things that I tried but again, like, I also don't want to be that guy that's super young and has, like, 10 failed startups, you know? So it, it's, it's, like, it's really hard. It's like, a, it's, like, a really hard balance. Yeah. I, and, I also, mean, I... And, and also things, like, uh, like, I think, like, you, I'm, like, okay, like, all right, like, let me just not think about it. Like, we're young, right? Like, the theme of growing up. But, uh, but then I also think, like, okay, I know two guys that did it, right? like from Pomona that they like figured it out and they're like their companies are like successful right now. And they're, and they did it when they were seniors and now they're only two years younger than me. And that's where I want to be. Like, that's who I look up to. And if they did it, like maybe I could do it, but, uh, but yeah, maybe like, it's just not the right time. Like not the right idea. I don't know. It's yeah. Yeah, it's tricky. Well, look, I think that we've covered such a broad range of things. I think that is a beautiful spot to sort of start to wrap this up is that Uh fundamentally we don't know and that's okay. We're trying to figure it out, but we can, you know, follow the things that excite us that we're passionate about and see where those doors lead. And it's okay if they don't get us to this end point we're imagining, but if we trust that these doors are opening for us, not necessarily to us, that there is some way to find some clarity through that journey. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Diego, I want to just say it is so great to touch base with you. I love chatting with you. You're such a passionate, inspiring, and driven individual, and you have such an amazing story. I hope that we can do this again, and I look forward to being able to catch up in person sometimes. First of all, congratulations. You just listened all the way through our podcast and we couldn't be more thrilled to have you as part of the Story Network community. If you enjoyed the conversation, it would mean the world to us if you could like, share, review and subscribe to let us know that you're listening. We are on a mission to build the largest and most diverse community of storytellers, creators and innovators from around the world and we can't do that without your help. You can check us out on Instagram 
Instagram at The Real Story Network and over on YouTube and Facebook at The Story Network. My name is Zed Hopkins. You're amazing. And we are The Story Network. Woo! The Story Network. See you next week.